Thanks for tuning in to our Neighborhood Church podcast. Join us on Sunday at any of our locations. To learn more about our church, visit neighborhoodchurch.com or download our church app. It's not uncommon that I feel underdressed, but um, it feels different today for some, in some way. So uh, it's good to be with you. Like I said, I'm uh, Pastor Justin from the Los Alamitos campus. It's always great to pop over here from time to time and be with you. Um, so a few months ago, <clears throat> I was the only one home, which it was during COVID, so I'm not sure why. I don't know where everyone else was, but they weren't home. And so I turned on the TV to kill some time. And unfortunately, real live sports had not restarted. So I'm flipping through the channels. And then I couldn't believe my eyes when I got to FS1. It was glorious. The pageantry, the drama, the height of athletic achievement, the pinnacle of human competition. You're thinking, I know what you're thinking. Maybe the 1980 Miracle on Ice. Do you believe in miracles? No, no, it's not that. Um, Bird, Lakers, Showtime, that kind of thing. Maybe Shaq and Kobe. No, 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 no. Um, Kirk Gibson, pinch hit home run. You guys now have new memories, right? Not even the Seahawks Super Bowl. No, it wasn't even that. It was WrestleMania 3. You know what it was. It was WrestleMania 3. And immediately I was transported back to junior high. I got the popcorn and I soaked it all in. It was fantastic. Hulk Hogan body slams Andre the Giant. He's like over 500 pounds. He bounces off the rope. He drops the leg. He pins him. It's amazing. It was fantastic. I don't remember where I started watching, but I watched it all the way to the end, even to the pose down at the end to show off for the crowd. It was fantastic. Now, besides the confessional there um, and the trip down memory lane, why am I telling you this? Well, it gives us a good image for where I'm going today, believe it or not, but give me a minute. So uh, first, I want to review where Pastor Mike had us last week. As he does, he takes us on a fantastic and creative exploration. I wish I could object lesson like that guy. But he talked about how we complement one, one another in life, complement with an E, that we kind of round each other out and, and complete each other, not just saying nice things. And, and by the way, I'm not putting olive oil on my ice cream. I, um, I did put a dent in Mike's Reese's supply in his office this week, so I did my work, but... Um, but anyways, Mike talked about how we complement each other in life. We serve each other. We sacrifice for one another. We greet each other warmly. He talked about the holy kiss last week. We, we share in each other's struggles. Those are the ways that we complement each other, that we care for each other. And those are beautiful things. There's this open-armed willingness to embrace the church body, to embrace those who are different from us, and maybe that we don't even agree with, that our arms are wide open. And it would be great to end with that. That would be perfect. It'd be beautiful, but it wouldn't be too real, would it? Because we also know it's a little more complicated than that sometimes. And thankfully, Paul knows that as well. So back to pro wrestling. In the old version, I don't watch pro wrestling anymore. Um, that might disappoint some of you and relieve others. But still, um, <clears throat> there would be this occasional thing they called the test of strength, which when we were kids on the school bus, we called it mercy. But you, you, would, you would lock hands with the other guy and, and then it was intended to be this fair play test of strength where the stronger of the two would end up pushing his opponent to the ground. That's supposed to be how it works in theory. And you can see the pictures of those guys doing it there. Um, and it, was, it started, you could see that it was tentative because there's someone going to, to introduce some foul play here. And so what would happen is that they would lock hands and then nine times out of 10, nay, 99 times out of 100, the heel, the bad guy, would then just kick the good guy right in the gut. 
Like he'd just kick him in the stomach and then all kinds of theatrical abuse and shenanigans would follow. And so what we're looking at in Romans is that Paul is trying to tell the Romans, hey, don't get kicked in the gut. All right. Yes, you need to have your arms open towards each other, but not so wide open that you're going to get kicked in the stomach where your faith gets shipwrecked, where you get disrailed. And this will be largely due and dependent upon who they listen to. And that's our sermon title today. Who will you listen to? And our series title is Pursuing Harmony. And that's going to all hopefully fit together if I do a decent job on this as we move forward. So as we get into our text, we're going to see that Paul wants to make sure the Roman church isn't so wide open that they lose their ability to be discerning. Um, so we're going to be complementary in terms of how we live towards one another, but we have to be careful of what exactly that means and what exactly we let into our lives. And so we're looking for a harmonious balance today, if you will. So today's central thought, the thing I'm going to repeat about a hundred times, give or take, is this. Harmony with God comes by listening to the right voices. That we want to have lives that are in harmony and step with God, and that happens when we listen to the right voices. Because wrong voices, they're the ones that kick you in the gut. That's basically what we're looking at here. So harmony with God comes by listening to the right voices. So before we get into our time in the word, would you stand with me if you're able? And let's pray together before we get into this. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for your amazing goodness to us. We thank you that you, um, have, you challenge us. You continue to challenge us um, to open up our, our hearts, open up our minds, open up our arms to embrace those, particularly those who are different than us. But Lord, you also challenge us to be wise. You challenge us to be discerning so that we do it in such a way that it helps us walk in step with you and, and in step with each other in a way that honors you. And so as we look at that today, Lord, we pray that you will give us that discernment, that you'll give us a, um, a, a, a mind that is focused on you and your ways and a heart that is fully committed to you. And in that, we would see uh, the change that you want to see in our lives. So speak to each one of us uniquely with where we are, with the challenges or the joys or whatever it is we're processing, that we might um, hear from you and then have the courage to follow through with what you're saying. So we love you, Father. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, go ahead and turn in your Bibles or on your Bibles to Romans chapter 16, verse 17. I'm going to read through the first little section, and then we're going to work through it piece by piece. So verses 17 to 20. <clears throat> I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So we're going to start in the middle here because I think that's how this all makes the most sense here. As we look at verse 19, it says, For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. The Roman church is known for their faithfulness. They are a church that is in difficult situation, and yet they've persevered. Um, and it's an oftentimes a place that's set against Jesus. And yet they lived in harmony with God. And, and, and as you recall, harmony with God comes by listening to the right voices. 
And so their obedience is an indication that they're in step with God. And so much of Romans then is telling them how this harmony comes about, both what happened between us and God, and then that faith changes how we live and it transforms how we live with each other. And that's what we've been looking at over the last several weeks. And so what we're talking about here is, and what Paul is encouraging them with, is they have lived a life of obedience. And Jesus says, if we love him, we'll obey his commands. They go hand in hand. It's harmony. And it's beautiful. I mean, it's like rainbow and butterflies. This is perfect. It's harmonious. It's beautiful. But guess what? When it's real, it's also work. That butterfly used to be a caterpillar, and it was a hassle to get out of that cocoon, right? To, to grow and, and have those wings. Harmony comes with a lot of work which is, is, is what we've covered over the last couple of weeks. Now, we're going to see how this relates to the voices we listen to, but before we do that, this is worth pausing on for a moment. Each of us needs to understand that Jesus is not content for us just to follow him like someone on social media or for us to have him as some type of appendage to our life where we just add him on to everything else. No, he wants your life. He wants to shape who you are in every corner, in every aspect of your life. And he wants you to trust him in every part, in every corner, in every aspect of your life. So to say to follow Jesus, to trust him, it isn't just an intellectual exercise. Yeah, I check that box, but it transforms how we live. It's living in harmony with God. And in Paul's words here, it would be obedience. And so the Romans have their issues. We have ours too, but they were courageous enough to let God transform them. And that's the report that Paul heard is you guys are doing really well. Um, he wants to keep building on that, but they're heading the right direction. And so as we change by God's, um, by God's power, what happens is we become more harmonious with God. He's celebrating that with them. So what about this idea that harmony with God comes by listening to the right voices? Well, how does that fit into all this? Well, let's go back to the beginning of our passage. Go back to verse 17, and we can start to see those things that might derail it. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. So if we go back to our pro wrestling analogy, Paul's just spent 16 verses, the last 16 verses of chapter 16, talking about how everyone is supposed to have their arms wide open and how Paul's arms are wide open towards them. And he's encouraging everyone to give each other a holy kiss. It's just feeling the love here. But he says, when your arms are open, you're, you're, you're vulnerable. You're wide open to getting kicked in the gut or whatever else, right? And so Paul's telling them, you've got to protect yourselves a little bit. He's saying, don't be so wide open that you lose your discernment because there are some who will come and who will cause division. I've spent 15 and a half chapters, Paul would be saying, giving you the truth about God, about humanity, about, about the scope of human history and what it means to live together in community. So don't buy anything from anyone who's selling something different. They're to be aware of them and to avoid them. And so that avoiding could be a couple things. It could be that, that there's just avoiding, um, not giving them a platform to, to, to talk about the things that would derail people. On the other end, it could be there's, there's extreme versions where Paul says, hey, get this guy out of the church. So it, it's pretty broad, but either way, that which divides by diverging from biblical doctrine is to be avoided. Now, we want to be clear here, because uh, this can very quickly turn into, instead of arms that are welcoming, that they could end up being folded arms or, or arms that are help holding people at length. And that's not what we want either. 
So there's a tension here. There's a difficult tension that we're looking at that's really hard to quantify. But Paul at least points us in the right direction. Arms need to be open. But so do our eyes. We need to be paying attention to what we let into our lives and into our, our, our community. And by the way, this is on central, big, number one issues because we just spent the last several weeks talking about the arms are still open on secondary, less important issues, um, less central doctrinal issues. So, <clears throat> um, so we, we, we wanna see, what we want to see is this discernment then in, these, in those um, who are, are maybe be bringing these in is that we have a discernment between what's honest inquiry and what are people who are just looking to cause trouble and satisfy themselves, um, including justifying their own sin. Let's keep reading verse 18. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. So we're not looking at people who are, who are genuinely wanting to figure out the Jesus way of life. They're trying to create their own ways that fits the desires of their flesh and that it appeals to ours as well. Harmony with God comes by listening to the right voices and these are the wrong voices. These could be buying into the philosophies of the day that contradict the scripture. They could be the heresies that cycle in the church from generation to generation. Either way, Paul says we need to be diligent in our discernment and not listen. If it, if it veers from biblical teaching. And there's a real challenge to this, and a lot of us have different challenges. Some of us enjoy no, new ideas so much that we can easily buy in to things that are clearly unbiblical, or at least flirt with them because it seems to be the spirit of the age. But there are others who are so rigid that we refuse to learn from the world around us in such a way that could open up new ways of understanding the scriptures, human nature, what God is saying in our times, different cultural elements that could bring great light to how we understand God and his word. And so it's really challenging, particularly when you're on opposite ends of the spectrum. But this is why Paul has spent so much time talking about how God changes us from the inside out. And he wants to build us into a community that lives out the law of Christ, which is love. That's why this matters, because it's not a quick process. It is an ongoing community process of discernment. And we need each other for that. We're not just supposed to do it on our own. And then once things are judged where they're out of bounds, then we need to leave it alone and quit flirting with it. And that's, you know, what leaders are for and elders are for. And, and that's what Paul's saying here, is that we need to be aware of those things that lead us away from God's truth. Let's keep working through this. Let's go back to verse 19. This time I'll read the whole verse for you. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. So if we embrace these deceptive voices, we're going to lose this harmony with God that results in obedience. And there's a, a little play on words here. The word for naive in verse 18 is similar. It's from the same word group as the word for innocent in verse 19. And the idea is that we'd be tuned into good. We'd be dialed into good. And as a result, evil just isn't something we're familiar with. Um, to illustrate, Paul goes back to, the, to the, the fall of humanity from Genesis 3, and he references that in verse 20. He says, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. That seems like it's out of nowhere, but if we think about it, Adam and Eve were naive. They were naive towards evil until they decided to listen to the voice that wasn't God, and then they knew it. 
They were no longer naive to it, and they were the worse for it. So that's kind of what we're looking at here. This reference to Satan being crushed is that Adam and Eve, and God is cursing um, Adam, Eve, the serpent, creation. It's this whole mess from Genesis 3. But even in that, God is still offering out hope that there will be hope that there will be one who will come and crush Satan one day. And so that's obviously Jesus, and that's what he's pointing us to as well. The curse of sin affects everyone. But ultimately, Satan's going to be crushed as well. God will make things right. So harmony with God comes by listening to the right voices. Adam and Eve didn't, and we've been following in their footsteps ever since. And yet, God promises ultimate victory through Jesus. But in the meantime, this battle for discernment is one we all need to fight, and we fight it um, by leaning on the grace of Jesus and, 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 and listening to his voice. It's an ongoing battle in terms of discernment in the here and now as we wait for Jesus' final victory. But harmony, har, uh, harmony with God comes by listening to the right voices. It's not just about um, silencing the voices that are going to kick us in the gut. It's also about listening to the right voices so that we can embrace the good. God's plan for you is not just that you don't do bad stuff. It's that you actually live a meaningful life that makes a difference in the world for his glory. And so um, we need to listen to the right voices. We'll get to what that is in a little bit, but it also has a lot to do with the company we keep. That's what Paul's been talking about for 15 and a half chapters. Here's how you live this faithful life, but also the relationships that you have matter. And those voices in your life matter as well. Look at verses 21 to 23. This will wrap up our passage for today. Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So do Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, my kinsmen. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who is host to me and the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Quartus, greet you. We don't know a lot about some of these guys. Some of we know a little bit. There's a few guesses, but we know a lot about Timothy. Timothy was Paul's associate, one person estimated for about eight years. And he was trusted enough to go with Paul everywhere. And then even when wind would get to Paul that things were not going well in a church, he'd send Timothy and say, hey, here's my man, Timothy. He'll take care of you. He'll take care of things. And so he trusted him profoundly. But the point here is that here's Paul. I mean, if there's a super Christian ever, it's Paul, right? And Paul hardly ever rolls alone. He is always with someone. He is a, he constantly has partners in ministry. He's reaching out to more. Here he's with you know, six, eight guys. He is always on a team. We also know from Paul there's sometimes conflict on his teams. Barnabas, Peter, at, um, way back early in the book of Acts, and oftentimes good comes of that. See, harmony with God comes by listening to right voices, but that doesn't mean the process is always tidy. It's not always harmonious. You go to a, a symphony and you hear them tuning their instruments. They don't start tuned. There's some dissonant notes that are played while they try to get things dialed in. And so sometimes it's hard to find harmony. And finding it's not necessarily fun, but when we find it, it's really, really good. Paul was shaped by the gospel and he wanted the Romans to be shaped by the gospel as well. And he was nourished by community. And that's what he wanted to see happen in Rome so much. That's why he, what we spent these last month on um, is what he's been talking about in these last few chapters. So I know you know by now that harmony with God comes by listening to the right. Oh, I'm glad you didn't say good news because I pointed at you. So that uh, mixed messages there, sorry. Um, 
So how do we apply this, you may be wondering, which I'm glad, I'm glad you're wondering that because I have some ideas. So let's start with how we discern. First of all, this isn't rocket science, right? Read, study, and trust your Bible. It is the greatest source of wisdom and truth that's available to us. Not social media, not the media, not Wikipedia, not even our educational institutions in the theories of the day. It is God's word that is the truth above all. And if you don't believe that, then you're going to be tossed to and fro by whatever the philosophies of the day are. Dance party was, it's coming soon. Um, uh, not yet, the, the cue was off. But um, so, um, but, but um, think for a moment, the philosophies for the last 2,000 years, they've come and gone and God's word is still here. Like it stands, it is the standard. Now don't get me wrong. We need to learn from the world around us and, and, and what's going on. I'm not proposing we bury our heads in the sand. Because about 100 years ago, the church did that, and, and we're still reaping the fruits of it, both as a church, as a country, and even in the world. So we need to be clear that there's no higher authority than God's word, but that doesn't mean we don't engage the world around us. But nothing's higher than God's word. In fact, let's listen to 2 Timothy. Uh, this is Paul speaking to Timothy. He says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. That's woman of God as well there. The Bible gives us what we need to live the life that God has called us to live. This doesn't mean our culture plays no part in our understanding, or our presuppositions, or even our applications. If I was going to give you a foundation of a building, there would be a range of things that could probably be built on that foundation. They would look different depending on the designer and their influences and their backgrounds. But if you made some, you know, like a, those cooking shows that you know, my kids like to watch is, um, I watch pro wrestling, they watch cooking shows, I don't know. Uh, but, but that they, you know, they get the ingredients and they make something different, but they're still bound by the ingredients. It, it, the foundation is God's word where it might look different in some ways, but the parameters are set by the word that we build upon. And so um, we have to keep coming back to that foundation. So let me ask an awkward question for some of us. And it's pretty basic, but it's basic and we need it. Is how's your Bible reading going? Not just reading about the Bible, uh, for those who might be on the nerdier side, but actually reading the Bible. That's something that is less and less um, engaged and it's, it's, it's frightening for us as a church. And if it's not happening, then no matter how smart you are, no matter how smart the people you hang out with, um, you're missing the most important voice in the idea that the harmony with God comes by listening to the right voices. And I don't want to just ask you if you're reading your Bible, but the other question is, how are you reading your Bible? The Bible's important on a whole bunch of different levels to read at multiple levels. First and most importantly, meet Jesus there. Right, You go there to spend time with Jesus, and this is where God speaks most loudly and most clearly. I know our, um, our emotions uh, often speak loudly, but this is where God speaks most loudly and most clearly is in the scriptures. And so, um, so we need to build on that as our foundation of our relationship with God, that we meet Jesus there. But we also need it to shape how we think. So we need to study it at some level. Find resources that help you understand it better. We, we have a hard time understanding Shakespeare, and that's only like 500 years old or something like that, right? The youngest parts of the Bible are 2,000 years old. And so we, uh, it might take some work to understand how they thought during the Bible times. And so talk to us. We'll get you good resources to help you with that. 
But even if you don't know all the details, God's word is still clear enough where you can still hear him in it. Um, but you got to set yourself before it. So um, come to church regularly. And if you can't make it in person, join us online. But hearing the preaching of the word regularly should be a regular part of your spiritual diet. Not just an occasional thing. And Carrie makes some great study guides as well. Those are great things to help you engage and go deeper in your understanding of the word. Neighborhood Bible U is a thing we have on YouTube that helps us understand the Bible at a deeper level than we can cover on Sunday mornings. Take advantage of that. Get to know God's word. If you're not sure how to read your Bible reflectively, during our All Church Focus, we went through and I think we have eight different um, staff doing what we call SOAP, which is looking at the scripture, writing down the scripture, that's S. O is observation. A is application. P is prayer. So you work through those. And if you go through that process, you will have a tremendous opportunity to engage God through the scriptures. And if you're not sure what that means, look up those videos. It should be on our YouTube page and practice that, learn that. And if you don't, like this is pretty much as important thing as pastors do. Talk to one of us and we'll help you on that process. Harmony with God comes by listening to the right voices. And there's no voice more critical than God's word. And we have an embarrassment of riches available to us to engage it more meaningfully. And so I want to challenge you and encourage you to take advantage of them. And as we engage the word, what's going to happen is it's going to shape our thinking. So like as we talk about our world is very profoundly driven by identity, uh, whether racial identity, gender identity, many different identities. And, and these are big deals, right? But as we're shaped by the word, we, we understand our primary identity of every human being is born in the image of God. And then beyond that, if we're in Christ, that we are his children. That's your primary identity. If you call yourself a Jesus follower, first and foremost, you are a child of the king above anything else, absolutely anything else. And that defines where you go from there and how you direct your life from there. And, and if you're not, you call yourself a Christian, you're not primarily identified by being God's son or daughter, then it's out of whack. You need to recenter on him. Stand up straight, live like a child of the king and use your power and your privilege and whatever is given to you by your heavenly father to serve others. That is what each and every one of us who calls us his child is, is called to. That's what we're called to. Start there and then see where God directs you from there. This leads us to other voices as well. We need a community, right? We need each other. And just like there are voices to avoid, there are also voices we need to engage. If Paul needed community, so do we. He was brilliant and he had a relationship with God probably unlike any of us have. Um, at least certainly I don't. Um, and yet he still needed others. He, he didn't go it alone. I know it's a really weird time for community and I'm not even sure the best way to do it. I just know we've got to do it. We've got to continue to lean into those relationships because God uses each other. Iron sharpens iron. He uses us to engage each other. And to help us hear God's voice through each other. It doesn't speak as loudly as the word, but it still speaks. And we still need to listen. And we need each other to live the life God has called us to live. We need it now more than ever in these isolating times. So harmony with God comes by listening to the right voices. And as we do that, as we discern these voices, the ones we should listen to and the ones we should dismiss, we're going to draw nearer to God. 
that harmony is going to be deeper. I'm not sure if harmony goes deeper. I'm not a music guy, but that's my wife's department. But you get the idea, right? That, that, that we are going to go deeper into that relationship with him. And as we're deeper in that relationship with him, that spills over into our relationships with others, not just in the church, but in the world. And it's amazing. It'll be amazing to see what God can do through us as we do that. So would you join me in prayer and then we'll continue to worship together. Father, thank you for your word this morning and, and the challenge that we face to um, listen to your, your voice. We know it's the best voice. It's the standard of truth. And yet there's so much noise, Lord. Um, so much that we don't have any control over and oftentimes we're our own worst enemy where we can't, put our phone down or get off the screen and we bombard ourselves with things, Lord, that are proclaiming messages that are contrary to you. So Lord, give us a discernment. We want to be people with arms wide open, but we want to be discerning as well, to let in those voices, let in those influences that are uh, productive, that are pointing us to you and to beware of those that aren't. So we pray for your wisdom and your guidance. Thank you, Father, for your amazing love for us. In Jesus' name, amen.